Hi, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. On today, I bring you an interview with author Vicki Johnson, who's going to talk to us about the soon-to-be-released incredible book, Molly's Tuxedo. But first, we've got a little bit of news. I want to tell you about a show I think you'll enjoy, Play On Podcasts epic audio adventures that reimagine Shakespeare's timeless tales featuring original music composition and the voices of award-winning actors. Each episode explores plays from Macbeth to A Midsummer Night's Dream in a way that you can actually understand, created specifically for the podcast form by some of America's most exciting playwrights, directors, and composers, and performed by stage and screen's best. Look out for their new series, Measure for Measure, and hear Shakespeare like you've never heard it before. You can subscribe to Play on Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to the show notes and learn more about that show, Play on Podcasts. In other news, we are just days away from a very exciting opportunity to learn and connect with some outstanding educators. Uh, I will be there this weekend. I hope to connect with you as well. So please take a moment and learn more about this opportunity from some of the organizers themselves. The Association of International Educators and Leaders of Color and Women of Color in English Language Teaching Virtual Conference 2022 aims to provide high-quality professional development for international educators and leaders focused on representation, social studies, and equity studies in international education. The virtual conference on November 12th and 13th will cover topics such as othering, belonging, liberation, anti-racism, Black Lives Matter, solidarity, social justice, equity, movement building, healing, multilingual learners, and much more. It is only $50 to attend both days, including access to recordings after the conference. Half of the registration fees will be used to support the Ling Project in Ghana. The Ling Project is a nonprofit organization helping to transform lives through literacy and social justice by educating girls to develop the global and STEM skills to enable them to thrive in the 21st century world of work. And again, you can head over to the show notes to find out more about registration. Today is the final day to register for that event. And the last bit of business is to check out in the show notes a link to join the free educator community, TeacherWit. TeacherWit is a great space not only to network, share ideas, gain insight, ask questions of other educators, but they also have ongoing virtual events. If you haven't checked out TeacherWit yet, what are you waiting for? Head over to the show notes. You can learn more about joining that network and connecting with fellow educators. So on with today's show, our guest is Vicki Johnson. Vicki Johnson is a former band nerd, White House staffer, and nonprofit director. And now she writes for young people. From picture books to middle grade, she has had a distinguished career in public service in national, democratic, and LGBTQ plus politics, and as an education director of an award-winning nonprofit serving youth from 
Appalachia. She's also been a substitute teacher, a veterinary assistant, a landscaper, a bookseller, a farmhand, a fast food worker, and a camp counselor. Her debut picture book is Molly's Tuxedo, illustrated by the incredible Jillian Reed and scheduled for release June 27th, 2023. So you'll be able to head over to the show notes to learn ways to pre-order the book. Please do consider talking to your librarian about getting ready for it. So I want to start off this conversation with a blurb about Molly's tuxedo. So quoting here from the book blurb, quote, Molly wants to look her best for picture day at her school. And what looks better than a tux? Molly's school picture day is coming up and she wants to have a perfect portrait taken to hang on their wall. Her mom has picked out a nice dress for her, but Molly knows from experience that dresses are trouble. They have tight places, hard to reach zippers, and worst of all, no pockets. Luckily, she has the perfect thing to save picture day, her brother's old tuxedo. But mom doesn't want her to wear a tuxedo in the photo. She thinks Molly looks best in the dress. Can Molly find the courage to follow her heart and get her mom to realize just how awesome she'd look in a tux? This book highlights a gender non-conforming main character and is published in partnership with GLAAD to accelerate LGBTQ plus inclusivity and acceptance. Um, Vicki, can you take us back to the point of inspiration for authoring this book? What might have been some of the early fuel and when did you have a sense that this book was actually going to come to fruition? Because I realize there's probably moments where like, oh, I've got an idea for a character or an idea for something. Um, but then I'm guessing there might be kind of a magic moment where it's like, it's really going to, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I can definitely pinpoint that for you. I I was actually uh, consider myself a middle grade novelist. I've been writing a novel and working on it for a while. And I was getting frustrated, wanted to take a break. And around the same time where I was thinking about trying picture books, I had seen a couple of things in the news about gender non-conforming girls. There was one as a teenager, one was a younger kid, and it just uh, sort of <laughs> upset me, made me angry. Uh, and, and normally I would feel weird about saying that, but I just listened to a podcast yesterday. Uh, it's Colby Sharp's The Yarn, and he was interviewing Catherine Applegate, who of course is the award-winning author of One Only Ivan. And they were talking about ask her a similar question. And she said, um, actually, I tell children to think about something that makes them angry and that that sort of is a way into your creativity and or at least something you're very passionate about. And uh, yeah, I felt really passionate about that. So when I sat to um, try picture books for the first time, this was the very first picture book I wrote. Um, it was 2020 in January. Um, and I wrote a couple more after that. Um, and then I, I'm sort of a community-minded person. I like to try different things and be involved in different communities. Um, so every year, Writers for Hope has a fundraiser that I have done before. It's sort of a, a silent auction where authors um, put up query reviews or manuscript reviews. Um, and I had done it the year before, and I really got a good experience out of it. So I was like, well, I have these picture book manuscripts. Let me see who's up and who's looking at manuscripts. And Kathy Appel uh, was one of the ones, one of my favorite authors who wrote The Underneath. Um, I was a huge fan of her. So I got in a bidding war and got the opportunity to sort of work with her, do a little back and forth on the manuscripts. And this was one that she said, hey, I think this one has, you know, some kind of little spark to it. Uh, so I started getting the inkling of that, you know, maybe there was something to this little book I had written. 
And I just kept pushing with it. Um, and that summer I did another mentorship. Uh, this time there's a, a group called PB Chat on Twitter where they talk about picture books. I'm sort of teaching myself about picture books at this point. And I got selected to work with Christian Tremor. And he's a picture book author. He was also the editorial director of Little Brown Books for Young Readers at that time. And um, he was fantastic. We worked together on it for a couple months and he taught me a little bit about industry and also about structure. And so it just, at the end of that, that mentorship, they had, um, they had a sort of a showcase and where editors could look at it. And I got connected at that point with my wonderful agent that I have now. And we met with um, Charlie Ilgunas at Little B Books. And he was so, uh, warm and kind and wonderful about it. And uh, really, uh, I felt very trusting of the story with him. And he told me about the GLAD partnership they have, which I thought was really amazing. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, it was definitely something personal. I, I think I'm, you know, I, you know, there's that picture of me in, in a suit when I was six years old, but it, it wasn't really that. It was more like just generally having dealing with these kinds of things my whole life um, that I kind of poured into this book. I didn't expect to write a book like this, but hey, you know, it's a heart book. And the cool thing about it is when, when you talk about writing a picture book, you really, it's really a collaboration between you and the artist. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but picture book authors don't select the artist, the illustrator who illustrates their words, you know, brings it to life. The uh, editor does that. And I was so lucky uh, to get paired with Jillian Reed, who is just amazing. I, I tend to get kind of dark and serious in my writing and Jillian just swooped in and just gave it so much life and color and energy and warmth. And it, it's a heart book for her too, because we've met since. And she said, when I saw this, I really wanted to do it because I really related to it. So. Oh, that's so beautiful. So yeah. powerful. I, you know, what I, what I love about what you just shared too, is from the standpoint of educators in K-12 education, often when students are working on projects or creative writing themselves, you know, they will have peer feedback and maybe like mini circles to work with. And I know that sometimes students do take that like, well, why do I need to work through this with a peer? Or, you know, why does this have to be a collaborative process? And what I love is you're sharing those anecdotes about how something like this doesn't come together, you know, just by one person, um, you know, and their vision alone, that there are mentors involved, that there's lots of different conversations with different people. And I, I think sometimes it's almost like this myth that authors work in isolation. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I feel like myths like that are, are really dangerous for younger artists because I think it puts so much pressure on them to go it alone, um, to perhaps not recognize that mentorship can be incredibly meaningful, right? And learning how to foster those support networks is, as you're sharing, like the grownups have to do it too, right? Yeah. Uh, Exactly. And it's not just, oh, you know, you know, I didn't even bring up, I have a, a critique partner who I've known for over a decade and we still share, even though I've moved and I'm further away from her, we still text and we talk about things, um, you know, so peer groups doesn't have to be someone who's, you know, really, really far ahead of you in, in what you're trying to achieve. Uh, it's super important. 
I, I love that. And of course, the book is also in partnership with GLAAD. And I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about that, uh, what that might mean for readers or perhaps how that partnership even came about. Yeah. Um, so uh, GLAAD, as you probably know, or many people know GLAAD, it's an, it's an amazing you know, life-saving organization that does this incredible work to accelerate acceptance for LGBTQ plus people in all forms of media, in in books, in TV, in uh, movies, and probably, you know, on the internet and everything like that. And I sort of have immediate comfort with them. I sort of grew up professionally in DC, you know, my other job, my day job, these organizations, I see, I've seen the work that they've done to move the, you know, movement forward. Um, and in this case, they developed a partnership in the last few years, a publishing partnership with my publisher, Little B Books, um, to do the same sorts of accelerating acceptance in children's media, children's TV and movies and books. So what they do is they sort of support, they, they pick, I'm not really sure how many, uh, just several titles each year to support. And um, they, they do get a portion of the proceeds from the sale of each book. They also help provide and promote, you know, promote the book and do marketing. They did my cover reveal last week. It was super exciting. I mean, wow, you know, to get in front of that many eyes is so helpful um, to, to the author and the illustrator, of course, and the publisher, but also just to get it out there to people to say, because, you know, there's a sea of books that are published every year. And um, if this is important to, uh, to see it in that way. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of a, a great reminder also of what can you do with your platform, right? Like I, I love, you know, you, you talked about GLAAD, of course, is involved in so many different types of media. Um, mm -hmm. And I think students are having conversations about social media all the time. And I feel like an interesting exercise is to go to some big organizations or some nonprofits, look at who they're boosting, right? What does that also tell you about um, how they are using, you know, GLAAD has a giant platform, but also sometimes so do brands. So I think that's an interesting conversation about social media to have. Um, Vicki, longtime listeners of this show know that I talk a lot about picture books and their potential for professional learning for educators themselves. And I know that adults might not be your intended audience with this book, However, I do see a, an amazing, you know, potential and use for adult learners. And I say this because your book starts with a very important dialogue about agency. And we talk about student agency all the time in K-12 education. And perhaps the way that we imagine or the way that we may lack the imagination to see children as autonomous and as self-aware. What are some of the questions that you might hope an adult reader would leave a reading of this book with? Well, I, I love that you, you know, ask about agency because for me, I just, you know, it's no mistake that, that Molly is a kindergartner because uh, I love kindergartners. I love that age. I, I just read last week to 40 or 50 kindergartners for Read for the Record, and they're so open-hearted and just present. Um, and also, I'm a parent, and my daughter's now uh, just started college, but I very much uh, sort of channeled her five-year-old energy, uh, mm. which there was very uh, big and bold energy that she had, um, very opposite from Molly. But, and I, I do think that... Um, you know, you can take a look at these young, these children and see, you know, they're starting to show their personalities. 
uh, that that can be evidenced by you know their clothing choices. They're they're got this burgeoning agency where they're making decisions and making friends, and they're just out there with their opinions. It's it's wonderful to see. So for adults, um, I, I guess you know the the idea would be to just you know pay attention and sometimes even I mean as a parent that was part of the reason why I wanted to give the mom sort of a care uh, character arc for her to sort of uh, see what was happening and change of, of mind about what Molly wanted to to wear to school um just basically you know pay attention to some of the things that you don't think are that important to you may be very much important to them I think kids have really rich interior lives and um they're sort of trying to show you in the best way they know how um and yeah I think that that would be it I love that idea and now you've kind of inspired me to think about going back to some picture books and if there is an adult or adult characters really comparing their arc with mm -hmm. the other arcs and um, I feel like there's a great conversation to be had there in terms of capacity to transform or grow mm -hmm. you know do the older folks in the book have that same capacity why or why not why might the author have made that choice so thank you for that that's a that's that's really interesting Vicki you mentioned you just recently did a reading and I know that when the book comes out you're going to have a number of educators and, and I have uh, quite a few librarians who check in with this show who might want to reach out to you for a talk or perhaps find out a way that they might be able to connect their school or community with you What's the best way for them perhaps to to set that up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. Um, I uh, you can reach me on my website. It's Vicki Johnson writes V.I.C.K.I. Johnson writes dot com. And there's a connect page. My contact and my email address is right there. I'm on social media with the same uh, handle. Vicki Johnson writes. I love visiting schools. I had the best time. I love teachers and librarians. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be on here talking uh, with you. With them well, they'll, they'll be so happy to hear that. And of course, listeners will make that extra easy and include that over there in the show notes. Congratulations again, Vicki. Um, I really appreciated getting a sneak preview of the book and I just instantly fell in love with it. So I love that you called it a heart book um, because as a reader, like it went straight to my heart as well. Uh, and I, I really look forward to the book launch and and the discussions to be as a result of this great text. So thank you for so much so much for coming on the show and sharing more about it. Thank you for having me. Listeners, thank you so much for giving up some of your time this week to listen to this episode independent podcasts just like the one you're listening to in this moment rely heavily on ratings and reviews if you could take 30 seconds to post a rating or a review i'd appreciate it very much see you next thursday